Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com here in Mississippi, glad you all could be with us. Also, it's joining us online worldwide, thanks to our online affiliates. We're glad you all could be with us as well. We all have heard the saying, a picture's worth a thousand words. And our next guest has been a part of a great movement that not only shares the stories of others, but also thinking about a path forward. We're excited to welcome Jonathan Fisher to our broadcast. I want to talk to him about the In a Whole New Way movement. That's a documentary and a book as well, Undoing Mass Incarceration by Path and Travel. I want to talk to Jonathan not only like what it's been like for him to share the stories of individuals, but also the impact and the movement that's already happening. It's an award-winning documentary. The book is also something I think you guys will really enjoy. We'll talk to Jonathan about what it's done for him personally and how, what he hopes it does for you in being able to hear these stories as well. Jonathan, thank you again for the time. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Cyrus, for having me. Pleasure is all mine. Look, glad to do it. So uh, this is an interesting topic for us to talk about, and the approach is definitely something that is fascinating. But I want to kind of step back for a second. As I mentioned, the documentary is an award-winning documentary, being able to share these stories. What has it been like for you to see the way this movement really has taken hold, Jonathan? Oh, it's been very gratifying. Um, You know, we we aim the book and the film – at a bipartisan audience because we think a bipartisan approach is necessary for criminal justice reform in this country. So we weren't surprised that people on both the right and left responded to it, but we were astonished when we put the film out on the festival circuit over the last couple of years at how people all over the world gravitated towards this story. They, you know, so many people from uh, Sweden to Sudan, from Singapore to, to Brazil, you, in both Ukraine and Russia, Iran and Israel, you know, people all over can't agree on anything, but they agree that uh, uh, American probation is inspiring, even though it needs reform, and participatory photography could be a path to that reform. So I want to talk about that part, the because it, it is really something. I mean, for for those who reading the book is one thing, but of course seeing the pictures is a totally different layer. Um, what was that like for you to be able to see the world through someone else's eyes? Oh, that's what our practice is all about. I mean, George Carano is, is the executive director of our nonprofit, Seeing for Ourselves. And he founded the nonprofit in 2010 with the explicit mission of empowering marginalized individuals to take control of their own public narrative by documenting their lives photographically. Um, I think the, the practice, participatory photography, actually originated among American aid workers in rural China in 1992, and it's been been growing more and more popular. And now with Seeing for Ourselves, I think we've been fortunate enough to take things to uh, a bit bit higher level. The first uh, application of our practice was actually in the housing projects of New York City. So from 2010 to 2014, we equipped and trained residents of the housing projects to document their lives. And it was wonderful to be able to see these uh, environments that are so uh, often castigated in the media, seen with a beneficent eye, you know, the eye of people who actually are living the life. And they're not helpful of crime and disrepair. They're wonderful communities. So uh, we we were able to uh, collect those, uh, the best photographs from that 
application and combine it with a backstory about public housing, put it out in a book, uh, which got you know a lot of notice. And so this New York City said, okay, you guys proved your concept in public housing. Can you please take your practice down to the probation department, another marginalized uh, population? And so we were embedded there from 2018 to 2021, uh, and people there responded to the program just like they did in the housing projects. And again, it was wonderful to see that prob- that folks on probation are not about the worst thing they ever did in their lives. They are people just like everybody else. They may have made one mistake in the past, but, you know, I mean, we all could be in their shoes. And they have wonderful uh, connections to their community. Uh, and, and seeing the world through their eyes was a, a revelation to me, and I hope to other people as well. The, the thing that struck me, Jonathan, in reading uh, in a whole new way is that it, it's 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 almost contradictory. You, you mentioned, of course, how people around the world uh, were, were viewing this. You know, the, the United States has become known as you know as a beacon in so many ways. Does it surprise you that when it comes to this particular area? <laughs> Um, that that as you talk about in the book, we definitely can do better and should do better, especially when it comes to the idea of what justice looks like. Yeah, I know that's crazy, right? We lock up more of our people than any other country on earth. I mean, <laughs> this, this is not us, you know. I mean, you know, it happened for all kinds of uh, uh, all kinds of reasons, but I, hopefully, if we can promote rehabilitator probation uh, in a widespread way. It could be viewed as, uh, you know, more widely as an, as an effective alternative to locking people up. And probation, after all, I mean, you know, to give ourselves some credit, probation is an American innovation. You know, it was founded by a Boston bootmaker in 1841, happened to be in police court one day, noticing a drunkard about to be sentenced to, like, months and months in prison. <clears throat> and he told the judge, hey, give this guy to me for a few weeks. Let me see what I could do with him. A few weeks later... Uh, the bootmaker returned the uh, drunkard to court, uh, already off the bottle, totally reformed, and uh, the practice was off to the races. It became institutionalized in Massachusetts in 1878 and was working very well up until the crime wave, unfortunately, hit at the, you know, in the, the 1972-1992 period when it kind of lost its uh, rehabilitative roots in terms in term punitive. But many jurisdictions around the country have been walking back the practice since then, uh, and we hope to accelerate that that trend. Yeah, I, th- I think that is a big thing. You, you write this in the in the book, uh, Jonathan. I want to read this for those who have the print edition on page 179. We Americans deserve better. You write. After all, we invented this practice, which continues even now to spread across the globe, and beyond food, clothing, and shelter, beyond security reproduction and sex, justice may be our strongest need. I thought that was such a powerful statement because I think for many people, especially as we're able to talk about the actual individuals, and I'm going to get into that, that you look at, at what they what they want. And a lot of, for a lot of them, it's about being able to move forward. Talk to us about the theme for you when you were putting the book together. What was the hope that these stories would do? and being able to help us understand not only about what was possible, but also, as the title alludes to, uh, you know, a whole new way of being able to think about how we treat individuals who may have found themselves having to go through uh, the criminal justice system. 
Oh, that's right. That was exactly our hope, Cyrus. That's why that's our practice, and that's what we hope to achieve with this book and film that we can let people see the world through the eyes of uh, others who may have seemed foreign to them, or strange, or doubtful, or threatening, and 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 make them realize that you know, we're all human, uh, and we all have the same basic needs, including justice, as you mentioned. I mean, I think we're hardwired to to believe in fairness. In fact, not only humans, I think they're actually I was listening to a podcast recently, and it turns out that even in the animal kingdom, like um, um, uh, chimpanzees, have a built-in uh, hardwire affinity for fairness. They react badly when they think things are unfair. You know, it's just, it's just. Per- I wouldn't be surprised if it's limited to primates either. So you know, the need for justice is uh, paramount, I think, um, and we certainly believe in that. And I think, again, that's why these stories are so important. What was it like for you? I mean, I know this is work that you've dedicated yourself to, Jonathan, but what was it like for you to see it in printed form, to see the photos, to read the stories together this way? What was that experience like for you? Well, I put it together, so I was a little bit self-conscious actually going through it myself. I was hoping, you know, to read it with the eyes of, you know, you know John Q. Public, Jane Q. Public, and see, uh, see it fresh. And I, you know, I hope, I just hope, uh, I guess, like any author does, that it has the impact that you intended it to be. Um, but, uh, you know, we did, we did the first book, Project Live. So we had that ex- about the housing project effort. So that was published in 2015. So we kind of had our feet wet. You know, it wasn't a totally new experience to come out with this, with this book. It was a totally new experience to do the film. And that was almost, that was really by accident. I mean, we, you know, I was busy trying, preparing the manuscript in, uh, at the end of uh, 2019, beginning of 2020, assembling the best pictures, combining it with a backstory about probation on the one hand and participatory photography on the other, you know, putting everything together in a manuscript that we were looking to have published. Everything was going well until March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic basically shut down the publishing industry thanks to the disruption of global supply chains. So my colleagues in the nonprofit looked at me and said, okay, Jonathan, you are the storyteller of this nonprofit. You better think of something else. Um, So I was stuck like everyone was stuck in the pandemic. I was stuck in my man cave up in Maine. And I just started going through the film footage of the project that had been made available to me as a resource for writing the book. And I began to look at it more closely. And uh, what I discovered startled me. You know, we all know photography is not just about pretty pictures. It's not even about uh, or only about uh, uh, countering a misleading public narrative. Photography could be a way to change your life. And when I saw yeah. this in the film footage, I, 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 even though I never made a movie before, I just started start stitching together that footage with every other kind of related footage I could lay my hands on. Um, and then got a, 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 an editor in uh, Portland, Maine, near me, to, to take things up to a, you know, up to the next level. Lo and behold, we had a film. And uh, when we sent it out to the festival circuit, on the festival circuit, it, it uh, seemed to uh, draw, draw some interest. So we were very, very gratified by that as a as a rookie filmmaker. 
Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it goes to the point of it being a topic that so many people are interested in. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome Jonathan Fisher to our broadcast today. We're talking to him about the book in a whole new way, Undoing Mass Incarceration by Path Untraveled. It also is a documentary as well. There's a website. Where we'll remind you of that at the end of the segment. For those tuning in on the podcast, we've already linked it up for you guys in the notes for the podcast as well. I want to actually read something from one of the experiences in the book, uh, Jonathan, that, that I thought was really powerful. And a mother, and she said something very succinctly that I think a lot of people can relate to. It's found on page 52 for those uh, who have the book. And I, and I think this is a really powerful statement. She says, we all have to account for our mistakes, but taking us away from society, from our families, from our kids for so long seems disproportionate. If you're locking away, if you're locking away for 10 to 15 years, then when you get out, you find things have changed so much. Life doesn't wait for nobody. When you're incarcerated, you not only lose your life, you lose the life of your family. And then she went on, of course, to talk about having to deal with issues with children afterwards, you know, the anger, of course, one of the things we hear about. What was it like for you to, not only to hear those words, but to know that that is something that is amplified, not just in those that you've been able to work with, Jonathan, but also across this country? Yeah, it was very moving and, and, and you know, and very saddening. Uh, that he uh, that's actually was a guy, you know, uh, it wasn't a woman. Um, and, uh, you know, he when you talk to him, he seems like totally together. You can't imagine he's had any kind of a dodgy past at all. Um, very self-aware, uh, very articulate, funny. Um, he's a guy you want to have a drink with. Oh, I don't drink very much, but, you know, you could be your pal. Um and to think that he's had his life like almost wrecked by the criminal justice system, it's uh, it's, it's pretty horrifying. Uh, I think we could do better. Yeah, it, it is it is powerful to think about, and I think too the consequences. That that's the thing I think that really struck me was a lot of times we don't think about the collateral damage, right? Is that part of yeah. the hope of this project as well that, and the work that you do for us to think about that, that these are not just the individuals that may have been been incarcerated and come out, but what they what they are coming back to and what they have, have left behind? Yeah, absolutely. It affects their, all of their families and everybody who's connected to them. And... Um, <clears throat> I think fortunately probation at least is practiced in rehabilitative jurisdictions like New York City does work to prepare one for reentry, you know, to they actually have graduation ceremonies, graduation ceremonies where a, a person's probation officer has been known to cry. Now in prisons, they don't have that apparently. I mean, and wouldn't it be great if, if they did have graduation ceremonies when people are released from prison? But there seems to be so little. I mean, we do, we've all heard of success stories, of course, but <clears throat> there seems so little done in American prisons to prepare one for uh, re-entering life. And then, of course, you enter uh, with a criminal record, and there are all kinds of handicaps. And it's no wonder that people recidivate. Uh, you know, there are you know there are examples in other countries like Norway or Germany uh, where where criminal where where uh, the justice system works in a different way, and they get far better results. 
So um, I want to ask you this question. I'm a, a fairly optimistic individual, Jonathan, but you're you're literally on the ground with this work. What keeps you optimistic? What what keeps you believing that we not only can do better, but but will do better? Well, to me, I think it is that there has been a bipartisan approach. Um, you know, it was going pretty strong 2015 to the pandemic, you know, even Donald Trump signed the first step act at the end of 2018, which got, you know, some thousands of people out of prison. Um, now, you know, there was a crime spurt uh, caused by the pandemic and a lot of uh, Republicans, you know, felt they had to back away from this kind of effort. But now just recently, you know, we see that crime is abating almost everywhere. And my hope is that Republicans, you know, will come back to the table and again, criminal justice reform can be a bipartisan approach because it makes sense on so many levels. I mean, you know, the left has always been interested in it from a kind of moral point of view, but uh, people on the right respond to criminal justice reform because it's redemption. You know, it fits in with their religious background and it also saves a ton of money. You know, I think we say in the book that on a, a per-person basis, prison costs 20 times as much as probation. You know, why, you know, why waste that, that, you know, so many resources that could be better spent doing something else than locking people up? It is an important conversation for sure, and and I think as people are finding out about the book, being able to watch the documentary, something I think to be able to see. I think the the other thing that I thought about too with the book is that it, this could easily be anyone that we know. It could be us, and, and I think that is what makes this so so important. The the photos in the book are great, but I tell you the the stories are really amazing as well. I want to talk to you about one final thing that I, I yeah. found in the book that I was not expecting. Uh, and that is, of course, I mean, we get to see the talent. There were a couple of the stories I remember individuals talking about, you know, the idea of actually being able to use a camera. You know, you know what I'm saying? They're used to taking pictures with their phone and having that opportunity. What was that like for you to see the appreciation just for that opportunity, to be able to share their world um, in a way that made them feel special? Yeah, that was wonderful. And we were, you know, lucky enough to arrange many gallery exhibits of their work. And that was so such a thrill for them. And it even led to sales of their work. I mean, you know, I mean, how, how inspiring can you get? You know, I mean, I think, you know, some of the, some, some of the folks in this program did go on to uh, establish a photography practice. Um, the best students actually were taken on as teachers of the class. And now they're being paid by the probation department. In fact, the story we tell in both the book and the film is of an individual who discovered the photography program in 2018, was startled by what he, by what he saw, and, uh, and, and, and said, hey, this is what I was born to do. He had never considered photography as an avocation before. Never crossed his mind, but got his hands on digital single-lens cameras, single-lens reflex cameras, and uh, combined with his cell phone, take the most amazing pictures, and uh, he's now the associate director of the photography program at the New York City Department of Probation, you know, paid, you know, great wages. Um, it, you know, if, if we can, you know, help uh, one person like that, then it's job well done. 
Exactly. Well, definitely a job well done and a great conversation with you as well. Again, everyone, Jonathan Fisher has been our guest. The book is In a Whole New Way, Undoing Mass Incarceration by a Path Untraveled. You can get it through our friends at Amazon.com. It, it, it is a book that I think uh, really is fascinating, but it also is available uh, and as well as information about the documentary on the website. So, Jonathan, if you don't mind, go ahead and share the website with our audience and let them know what they'll find there. Okay. It's in a whole new way.com. And there you can uh, rent the film for a nominal fee, um, which you know allows us to pay for the promotion of all this work. And you can there are several links where you can buy the book, Amazon, and several others, and a whole lot of information about uh, the the book's progress and the film's progress to date. And we'd love to hear from you. I mean, uh, my email address is in, uh, info at seeingforourselves.org. Uh, any feedback would be great. All right. Well, Jonathan, great conversation with you. Thank you again for the time. Really do appreciate it. Looking forward to speaking with you again. Thank you so much, Cyrus. You're more than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Thank you as always. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let us go make today amazing. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.